I want him to come back like TPC Scottsdale just step on at the first tier out of nowhere and suddenly he's playing against half a million fans and it'll be crazy wild it'll just be everything you'd want it to be Oh, what a month January has turned out to be, eh? We thought we had it all with Tiger-Nike split, we had Martin Slumbers leaving, we had Keith Pelly announcing his resignation, and now we've got the mother of all bombshells. Anthony Kim apparently wants to make a comeback to golf. (sighs) The next 11 months have got a lot to live up to, so we'll get into that on today's episode of the Bunker Podcast in association with Callaway Golf. Hello, Michael McEwen here, as always. Hope you are doing well, hope you're keeping well, hope you're busy, hope you're healthy. One man who is most certainly not healthy at the moment, so he tells us, is Bunkered Associate Editor Alex Perry. Shall we get out those small violins whilst you explain exactly what's wrong with you, Alex? Uh, first of all, thank you for coming to me first. That's uh, a nice little, first of all, a surprise. A novelty. A <laughs> I like to keep you guessing. <laughs> a genuine treat. No, I don't think the listeners give any kind of a flying shit that I just, I'm a bit under the weather. So let's what, just what, move what on, we, shall we? What exactly are we talking here? Is it a cold? Just, Is it the flu? No, I think there's just... Uh, yeah, it's January. It, first of all, it's still January. It's it's the fifth Monday of January. Like <laughs> someone has someone has fucked up a calendar here somewhere. Like what is going on? Uh, no, just the usual shit that goes around at this time of year. So, if at any point I need to just leave, just marry, maybe just carry on talking, and I'll just try and seamlessly transition back in having emptied my stomach. So one minute 40 in, and already we've had three swear words from Alex. Yeah. That's pretty impressive going, yeah. Bryce. Yeah. I'm, getting editor, out, I'm, getting out ni- I'm getting them out nice and early. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll move on. I'm fine. It makes a good point about January. It is a long, horrendous month. Christmas seems like a, a long, long time a ago. distant memory. Yeah, I'm usually ill in January, and I'm not ill, which is fantastic. Is that because of your new dedicated gym? It's routine? not new. It's just gym routine's been going on for a long time. How long? How do you not notice? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. 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 Come on. Uh, no, I'm sick of January. Uh, well, what was it's today? The twenty ninth. The two hundred and ninth of January, I think it is. Twenty ninth of January. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it'll be over soon. Well, um, yes, it will be in about forty hours. Time. And February, still be the month's work. Price. I'll be honest. Shut it. And be honest, February's not much better. You've got a big birthday coming up, don't we? Mm-hmm. The big 4-0. Yes. <laughs> I've pretty much reconciled myself to the fact that... You're 10 years from 50. Well, there's that, but I'm also never going to play professional football. At the moment, I think... You're realising that now. 99.9% of all professional footballers are younger than me. If I was a footballer, I've gone beyond the point of last big contract. You're looking at I'm a now, coaching I'm, job. I, I'm not even that. I was like... The, the days of being a player manager, they are gone. So I'm now looking for just in the dugout. That's that's me. Don't really get player sad. managers anymore, do you? Michael, would you be a suit manager or a tracksuit manager? Definitely not a suit. Like standing there in the touchline looking like an undertaker. I th- I've always thought that's a bit of a weird look. But I also don't want to go tracksuits either because I'm not a BAM. Like so, the Steve Bruce look. Yeah. It's, I know a, bit, it's a bit too far. He's getting a lot of stick just now. But Eric Ten Hag, I quite like his look. It's quite good. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> You picked a bad example. I always liked the Martin O'Neill effort. Martin O'Neill used to turn up for cup finals dressed in a suit. And he yeah. had the, you know, the, what do you call the flower, whatever, all that stuff. The flower. The brooch, yeah. whatever it was. And it looked fantastic. And within eight minutes of walking off the pitch, he was back with his 
joggies on, <laughs> his jumper. His socks pulled up over the joggies, his boots, <laughs> and his sort of one, Celtic one side rugby of the top. Uh-huh. Just looked a total shambles. I quite like that. I think you need to bridge the gap between sort of having the authority over the team and then having a wee bit of Italian style. A, a wee bit like Pep, but I don't like the Polonex and things like that. I think Pep's style is horrendous. Yeah, but there's a little yeah, bit of the, there's a little bit modern Gantt sort of model, <laughs> sort of pink shirt with a sort of nice cashmere jumper kind of thing going on. Arteta, Mikel Arteta looks class. Yeah. yeah. Prowling the touchline. Yeah, you want to cool. have that sort of vibe going, but it's a tricky one to get right. I definitely don't like the suit. You know, the sort of three-piece Sam Allardyce effort. I always think good. the suit with the jumper never looks... You look as though you're a bit cold, but you're trying to wear a suit. That was a bizarre start. Jesus. So anything you want to share with the group, Bryce? Are you well? Any back updates, garden updates? Anything? Ever get any updates? I did think I had updates. No, they're gone. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Alex, anything you want to get off your chest? Any confessions you'd like to share? I, I feel like you, uh, that, that sounds like something you're saying to someone who you know something about them and you're like, hmm. come on, tell no, us. No, I, I appreciate that is what it sounds like, but it's not that no. at all. Nothing? All good. Let's talk about Anthony Kim. Let's talk about Anthony Kim then. So, the notes here simply say, Sorry, Mr. Oh, whoa, 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 Oh, wait a whoa. minute. He's remembered something. something. Oh, I do go. have something. Anthony Kim can wait. Anthony Kim can wait. Last week, I had a little bit of a moan, a little bit of a rant about the lack of positive reviews for yours truly and my for hosting, you hosting ability oh he's raging oh no one <laughs> likes me hosting the podcast they just prefer Bryce so Bryce does one episode <laughs> of the podcast and two gets something like I've done two oh we're talking about the most recent one saw the one before that people loved ask. it the people uh, loved it Bryce hosts an episode of the podcast and all of a sudden because he asks it, all these reviews start coming in through yes. Apple and so on. Yes. You know, Bryce the host with the most, Bryce with the golden mic and all that. Pish. So then I host last week and for the first time ever, I'm like, do you know what? How's about some love coming my way? We've since had two more new reviews. Wow, two. Two five-star reviews. Love this humorous and informative podcast. Also appreciate that there's zero wokeness on this. Good on you, boys. Nothing to do with you, though. Why? Well, I didn't mention you, did but I? Not specifically. I'm a little bit concerned when they say there's zero wokeness. That sounds like something that a Donald Trump supporter says about like, Donald Trump. Yeah, it sounds like we are massively right-wing racists. Yeah, I don't think we but are. Which Alex says, but we're not. No, Alex clearly <laughs> is. Yeah. I asked my dad to write a review, so I'm glad he did. <laughs> <laughs> then we had one from non-golfer golf fan. What? Yeah, exactly. That's a bit of cognitive dissonance. Bit like you. He said, I enjoy hearing how golf journalists on the other side of the pond, excuse the cliche, nice, thank you for that, view both DP World Tour and PGA, fun and informative, sometimes a bit silly, but never dull. Again, there is one uh, thing that's missing from that. Uh, something golf about golf you. Yeah. Yeah, so you've brought up the fact that you're raging yeah. that people love me hosting it. Yeah. You've brought up, to counter that, you've brought up two reviews, yeah. none of which mentioned you hosting it. Yeah, I mean, five star, but... Brilliant. Shall I'm, we talk about Anthony I'm Kim? I'm a little bit offended at this point. I did ask explicitly for it. <laughs> and you're not and getting what not you very, want. No, I, would ask, I asked politely last time. Well, I'll, I'll put, now, put it this way. Put it this way. If you liked me hosting the podcast and you want to hear me hosting the podcast again, 
leave a review saying we want more Bryce. <laughs> that would be the first time that anyone has ever wanted more Bryce. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll no, move on. No, we'll move, move on. on. <laughs> move on. <laughs> right then, Anthony Kim, just leave a fucking review. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Chuck in the name Michael McEwen. It's really simple. Good grief. Anyway, Anthony Kim. Oh, he is apparently rumoured to be supposedly might be looking possibly. at a comeback. So this all came out last week. Golf.com's Dylan Jachair wrote a great piece last week. He's spoken to a lot of people and it would appear that Anthony Kim is indeed targeting a return to professional golf. Bear in mind that this is Anthony Kim who hasn't been seen for the better part of 12 years. Walked away in mysterious circumstances without really saying too much about it and has never been seen since, either on tour or really anywhere. There's been the occasional sighting of him. He's a, he's a wee bit like golf's Loch Ness Monster at this point. So, Dylan has written this piece that <laughs> PGA Tour <laughs> is interested in him coming back. <laughs> Live Golf is potentially looking at snapping up Anthony Kim. Not just that, Anthony Kim is also supposedly, reportedly, apparently open to the idea of playing golf again. Long, complicated story about an insurance policy and all that that we'll get into. But, Bryce, since I went to Alex first for the intros, I'll come to you first on this. Your immediate reaction to the prospect of Anthony Kim returning to professional golf. Uh, it's interesting you come to me first because I'm probably going to cite what Alex said when we were talking about it last week. So, Alex, your thoughts on Anthony Kim returning to <laughs> <laughs> It is nuts. And I have to say, it's quite a good story for those who are mad golf fans, but I've kind of realised over the weekend and the last, well, the last couple of days that not everyone is really that aware of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you have to be, it's a niche golf story, but it yeah, kind but it is, of is. It? Like you're, there's a whole new generation of golf fans that really don't know anything about Anthony Kim. So, as Alex said last week, if he does come back, it's probably going to be a huge letdown might not be what you think it is. And I actually think that's true. And I absolutely do not want that to happen. I want it to be wild. I want him to come back and like TPC Scottsdale just step on at the first tee out of nowhere and suddenly he's playing against half a million fans and it'll be crazy wild. It'll just be everything you'd want it to be. Imagine Anthony Kim on 16 at yeah. Scottsdale. But Jeez, I just oh. suspect... If it does happen, which we have no idea whether it does, and we will go over all the speculation in the background and everything, but the initial response was, wow, it could be for niche guys, you know, if you're mad about golf and you've, you know, it's your life, it is a pretty crazy story. It certainly is. To be honest. Alex, explain for the listeners, if you wouldn't mind, what exactly we believe has happened with Anthony Kim, why he walked away from golf 12 years ago. Well, the talk is that or the, the accepted explanation is that he had a serious long-term injury and he took an insurance payout. Now, of course, in the terms of that insurance payout, you can't play golf on the PGA Tour because otherwise you have to give the money back. And we sort of fancy Kim to be a bit of a playboy, don't we? We've There has been sightings of him, you know, out in Vegas with the boys and all this stuff. He lives in Vegas now, doesn't he? Is that I think so, yeah. He was in Dallas for a long time and I think yeah. he's in Vegas now. So, he's having the time of his life. Has the money run out? Perhaps. Maybe he's looking at 
the tour now and thinking, well, with Liv and the PJ Tour and the the so-called civil war, we've got this. There's more money in the game than there's ever been. So he's obviously just thinking, I want a slice of that. I only got like say the rumor was ten million, wasn't it? And that's that's the number quoted in Dylan's piece. And you sort of think ten million isn't a lot of money, really, when you have a lifestyle like Anthony Kim's, he wants to you know, live in the big house and flash the cash. And, and there's, we did the maths, didn't we? Did he win 12 million in his career? Just over 12 right? PJ million. Tour? Yeah. So it's not, it's not a huge amount of money. I mean, obviously for us three, it's like life changing. It can set up several generations of our family, but for someone like Anthony Kim, it's not a massive amount of money. I spent at 12 years. You could piss that away pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I think, especially if you're him. So yeah, I'm interested. I, I the, the price is obviously sp- spoken for me, and Sorry. I am I am trying to just be a bit more. I, to be honest with you, I wish you just do it every single week on the podcast. It would make my life much easier. But um, it's for me. I'm I'm absolutely buzzing for the interview. Someone is going to pay him a lot of money to sit down and get the big interview, the big explainer. Oprah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Oprah's gonna stick a billion dollars in front of him and say here you go so that that's what i'm looking forward to i just think when he actually does come back and play golf it's just going to be a bit okay cool like it's a cool story but that's at the it. end of the day it's, it's man comes back and goes to work yeah it's oh, it's not, no, but that's, so, that's too deductive i know but there is a cool story there that the, the whole thing about the fact that there's a, a mystique to what Anthony Kim's done. Of course. The fact that he just walked away and never came back. Uh, yeah. He was quite a cool figure. But the insurance stuff was never actually... It's never been, confirmed. Never been confirmed. Sure, yeah. The okay. closest anyone got to it was Alan Shipnick, who maybe did some digging. Ten million, as Alex said, isn't a huge amount of money. You look at these his lifestyle, you know, there's, he did have a pretty nice house. He had nice cars, you know. One twelve million. His belt buckles don't pay for themselves. Yeah, they don't. You'll have paid taxes, so a payout would be quite big. However, I don't know the ins and outs of a payout. That's the thing. That's the thing. Because first of all, we don't know that he took a payout, Mm -hmm. but it looks very much like he did. But the the consensus is that this insurance policy has expired, like ten years. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and that he is working towards now coming back. Loads of things we don't know. Well, we don't... Actually, it's probably shorter to list the things we do know. We don't know what he's done for the last 12 years. Has he got other businesses, other sources of income? Is he a property magnet for all we know? Is he working in wimpy, flipping burgers? Nobody See, knows this, this about he, him. He's close. We're just assuming yeah. that he has run out of money, all, but that's all, not necessarily no, the case. We're all speculating, but the thing is, I don't... This is what I find quite fascinating about it. In today's... He's disappeared in today's world. Mm-hmm. That's what Hard there's been random sightings of him in a coffee shop. There was that story of him at a driving range where he was hitting balls, and somebody said on a group like Anthony Kim was at the driving range hitting mm-hmm. golf balls, and people turned up and he literally left, left all the balls there, grabbed his clubs, got in a car and left, mm-hmm. and there was no pictures of him. So how there's only that video that's but since been confirmed in the last what twelve hours that the video is not from last week. It's there was from a, a yeah, few years ago. Add, there was a video that was doing the rounds in social media that was very practicing much last to, week. Here's Anthony Kim practicing, getting ready yeah. for his comeback. It's a couple it's of years, years old. old. Yeah. So there's but those videos are few and far between. Mm-hmm. And it's how is a guy right? How has a guy 
that is not Tiger Woods, he's not Phil Mickelson, but he's still reasonably famous in golf circles. How has he managed to not really be seen at any golf course in 10, 12 years and been followed about? How has no one, how's he managed to not only be keep fit, but get reps on a golf course and we're, no one find him? But assuming that he's played golf, he might not have played any golf for the last 10 years. Maybe he just did chuck it all together. Uh-huh. Say, well, you know, if I'm not going to play it from 11, I'm not going to play it. I mean, it's that is another possibility. It's, it's a fascinating story. Listen, there's been a lot of stuff written in the last 48, 72 hours. You've probably seen people come out and saying, oh, he's in discussions with Liv. I'd like to point out the Bunkered website was reporting on that when Liv kicked off. We spoke to people at Liv at the time who would neither confirm nor deny, of course, that they were in discussions with Anthony about a possible return. At that time, the logic was... Liv has so much money, it can just pay back the insurance policy. That's where he could end up. But if there is an expiry on the policy, on the agreement, on the payout, then he could feasibly return to the PGA Tour. Our man Ben Parsons did some great digging. He has got some good sources at the PGA Tour. And he has heard from them that they would welcome Anthony Kim's comeback. Which is all quite remarkable when you consider that we've slightly mythologised Anthony Kim since he walked away. Every year that passes, the legend grows. But is it all a bit out of proportion? He was a very good player, but he was never one of the game's greats. Let me throw some stats at you. He won three times in 122 starts in the PGA Tour. Not to be sniffed at. Runner-up on a further four occasions, inside the top 10, 22 times. 22 times out of 122. He missed the cut in around a third of his appearances, and banked 12 million just over in prize money, as we discussed. That's less than the likes of Dudley Hart, Billy Andrade, Briny Baird. He was never exactly... Yeah, but that, that's up to the age of, like, 25 or something like that. Even so. Yes. Well, I mean, the way we talk about him, it's like Anthony Kim made so I know, much money. But I think if you let were to compare though, Anthony Kim's career to 25 to Briny Baird, yeah, it'd be a lot better. But let me finish. Ryder Cup, President's Cup, that's the things where he got his name. That's where he made his name, wasn't it? Five and a half points out of a possible eight but only three top 10 finishes from 15 major starts and never got higher than sixth on the world rankings. Only 22 weeks total inside the top 10. The point being here, it's really good, but does it merit, Bryce, the amount of pining that has gone on for Anthony Kim over the last Well, I'll tell you what, do, do you know why there's such a big deal about it? It's because he's American. He, when he was at his best, he was a young American golfer, and American fans like supporting Americans. It's a similar thing with the LPGA. You know, the LPGA really struggled for a good two or three years because there were so few American players for the US fans to root for, mm -hmm. and it was a big problem. The LPGA pretty much said it themselves, even though the person in charge was a lunatic, but they pretty much said it themselves that, that that is an issue because American fans didn't really have somebody to root for. People did root for Anthony Kim because he was he was just brash. He was, mm. you know, he had a bit of excitement. He was a bit of a loudmouth. He had a bit of a character. He had a temper, all that stuff. He was. He then went on that. He still holds the record at Augusta for like the most birdies in a round. And it's always the wee things that all add up to being quite exciting. He's... He was part of a winning Ryder Cup team that they didn't have for years. It is a bit mythical, I do get that. And his record isn't what you would expect it to be considering the whole media, we're all going mm, mad about the it. Frenzy. But you can't compare his record at 25 to Briny Bears, it's just different. Oh, don't. 
I've given you tons of stats and you're just hesitating on that one. <laughs> Alex, are we mythologizing them too much? Is there too much? Oh my God, Anthony Kim. Of course we are. Like Bryce makes a very good point there. He came out and he was uh, a character that we didn't necessarily have on tour at the time. Like we had, is a bit Seviesque in that kind of swashbuckling way that he played the game and the way he just. I mean, obviously, Sevi cared a lot more than what Ante- what we are suggesting <laughs> Anthony Kim did. But he ju- he just that people love that kind of uh, like bad boy, don't they? That that was uh, that was like the the image of the time. Like he was very much a product of his time, I think. And you know, look those those kinds of golfers are ten a penny now. We've got John Rahm, we've got Tyrrell Hutton, who both will be uh, heavily featured. It's after a very the break, very good point. He's no longer unique. Yes, yeah. Back, so back it, then he was. Mm-hmm. But if if uh, it's very much absence grow makes the heart grow stronger, isn't it? We 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 because we don't know that the the mystery, the mystique, as you say, that's what makes it interesting. That's why we're talking about it right now. Hunter Mayhan disappeared off the face of the planet, but we all know what he's doing now. So nobody's like mm. going, "Oh my god, what happened to Hunter Mayhan?" Do you remember Hunter Mayhan? So uh, I don't know. I, it's I genuinely, I, I think we are building up a bit too much. I think it's going to be a bit of an anticlimax, and that will be disappointing for me. As I said before, it's it's all about that that first interview when he comes out and talks. Of course, when he comes out and plays, whether it's on Live or PJ Tour, it's going to be a big thing. But you know, then he shoots four rounds in the eight or two <laughs> rounds in the eighties, and we get all right. Okay, cool. When will we see him next? We we'll just start to work. But Bryce makes a really good point. Like. How is he in this social media age? How has he gone unnoticed? Maybe he hasn't played golf. I just there's for me. I think there might be something else at play here. If if Alan Shipnuck, for example, wanted to know where Anthony Kim was, Alan Shipnuck would find out where Anthony Kim is. I'm not suggesting like super injunctions or anything like that, but then then someone knows something outside of Anthony Kim's close circle. So how does a guy who's planning to return to the PGA Tour not get seen? Yeah, exactly. I know. I mean, I've got a theory on that as well, which is if he's in Vegas, there's an awful lot of very uber private clubs. Yeah, like but Shadow even, Creek, for example. Yeah, but even then, like there must be like a junior greenkeeper that would go, oh, there's Anthony Kim. He's not going to risk his job that he's probably getting handsomely paid for to share a picture of To be fair, Kim. I, this is, I was told by a guy who worked at Isleworth that when the Tiger Woods thing happened, I knew a guy that was delivering golf balls to Tiger's door when he was in hiding. I'm saying this allegedly because I cannot back this up. Allegedly, Elon was with him and they were trying to talk things through and he was delivering golf balls to his door every morning and Tiger would take it and go and hit balls. During the I'm in hiding phase, Mm. we never saw any pictures. So these clubs, as you see, these clubs are uber private. So you can't get through the front door unless somebody knows who you are. So I suspect if you were to share a picture, it would probably come back to, I, I know who took that picture and you'd be out. Exactly. No one's going to risk their job for that. Well, I can't imagine you would. We also don't know, I mean, are you asked to like leave your phone in your locker when you go out before you get in the tractor to start doing Yeah, there must be things. That must There'll be, be rules. We're, we're just blaming greenkeepers well, for this. Yeah, greenkeepers, <laughs> get your finger out. Take a risk. One word, yes or no. Will this report of a comeback actually amounts to anything will anthony kim return to play golf this year alex yes or no yes bryce yeah okay obviously i should add at this point apologies we didn't have a podcast out last week the latest issue of the magazine the first of 2024 was going to print and 
yeah, just, you know, took a little bit longer than we expected, but we got there. We'll talk more about that in a little while, but that explains why we weren't talking about this subject last week when it was making an awful lot of news. Equally, though, we like to think we're opinionated. We like to think that we don't shy away from slightly difficult, somewhat controversial subjects on, on this show. So we will chat a little bit about it just now. And it's, of course, Hayley Davidson's victory. Hayley Davidson, a transgender golfer who won on the NXXT golf tour in the States. That is a, a satellite tour for women's professional golf. It is loosely linked to the Epson Tour, which is the main feeder tour to the LPGA. All of which is a very long-winded way of saying that by winning on the N... I'm just going to call it NXXT because it's easier than saying <laughs> NXXT. So by winning on the NXXT Tour, Hayley Davidson has taken another step, a significant step at that, on the road to the LPGA. Understandably... The, the victory for, for Davidson has made quite a lot of noise. It's garnered quite a lot of headlines. Everybody from Piers Morgan to Sharon Davis. Remember Sharon Davis? Olympic swimmer. She won a silver medal, I think, back in the day. And went on to become a gladiator on Gladiators. True story. <laughs> Did she? Yeah. I think she was on it for a couple of series. And then, you know, at, at that point, I think the show was cancelled. But it's back now and it's great. Anyway, lots of people have had a lot to say about Hayley Davidson's victory. It's also prompted the NXXT Tours chief executive to request that Davidson undergoes additional testosterone testing to, quote, ensure compliance with the appropriate guidelines. And the Tours also polling its players to gather opinions on the circuit's gender policy. Again, not specifically about Davidson's participation, but about the policy itself. It has really all kicked off. There's been an awful lot said. Alex, what's your take on this? Because it is a very delicate issue. It's a very emotive issue. The temperature around transgender participation in elite level sport is running so high. Where do you stand on what you've seen now that this is an issue impacting golf? First of all, it's it's incredibly difficult to talk about things like this, as we all know, just in this this social media world that we live in now where... This, it seems to me like you can't have a, a reasonable middle ground these days. It always has to be one side versus the other. We've seen that in certain, well, certainly in politics uh, with Brexit and things like that. But you, you, you mentioned Piers Morgan there. He's people like him certainly don't help. Like he is only interested in getting shouty about it and getting people on his TV show to be shouty about it. And I think that's, it's incredibly discouraging because someone like Davidson, everyone who's had to go through that, we can't sympathise with what they've had to go through because it is something we haven't done and it's something we will never have to do. And for me, it, it shouldn't be up to people like Piers Morgan shouting about it to be the voice of the situation. Obviously, we had... Caitlin Jenner came out uh, last week and, and and I know you're going to talk about that a little bit more, so I'm not going to touch on that, but it's, it's perfectly reasonable to be okay with someone transitioning and going through what they're going through, but also being of the opinion that she shouldn't be able to compete in women's sports. That's what Sharon Davies talks about. She says, you know, she was... She was born a man. She was born with a male body. 
and and with that comes obvious advantages over and went through someone. male puberty as well, which seems to be the, exactly the, the biggest yeah, issue. Exactly. So, I I think it's okay to be in the middle to 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 one thing say that's obviously a very difficult period in her life that she's going through, and she's obviously had to do this transition. But also, she shouldn't be playing women's professional sport because of her obvious advantages. Yeah, it, Alex makes some very good points. It's, it's, it becomes a controversial issue when you get noisy people like Piers Morgan who are kind of just dismissive of the whole bigger picture rather than trying to discuss what is a, a problem not just in golf but in sport in general. And he just seems to enjoy creating a bit of division. He simply says this is wrong and yeah. doesn't back up his opinion no, with any a, sort of valuable contribution. There's no, there's no attempt at a solution or yeah. how do we solve the problem because it's to me it's not a controversial issue, it's a difficult mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she was born a man. It's she's gone through puberty as a man. You know, we know the difference between men and women and it's in your bones, you know. So it is unfair in that sense that she is able in my opinion, it's unfair that she's able to compete against women. And I think because this is an issue in, in sport and it's it's rife in swimming. It's in surfing. It, it seems to be athletics as well. Yeah, athletics. It mm-hmm. seems to be going one way, where it's people who are born as men are competing as women against women. It really happens the other way around. Really happens the other way around because of the physical difference differences mm-hmm. between men and women. However, it doesn't solve the problem. She is a woman, and she wants to play. Well, she she identifies as a woman, but she wants to play against women. How do you solve that problem? It's a very, very difficult one to solve. And to Davidson's credit, you know, she said that she's had an unfair advantage over her competitors at least a few years ago. She insists that's no longer the case, saying, I've been transitioning for nine years. I've been on hormones for almost nine years. I had surgery coming up in almost three years ago. And she says she's lost just over 15 miles an hour of swing speed. Adding trans athletes shouldn't be banned, but at the same time, there needs to be regulations in place because it shouldn't just be a free for all. I think with so many topics, we as a society just need to sit down and listen to each other rather than scream at each other and put hatred on it. Very balanced comments Mm -hmm. there. I think very fair comments, certainly much more valuable to the the debate than Piers Morgan's comments and to a certain degree, Sharon Davies' comments as well. Listen, I I spent a bit of time last week looking into this issue of transgender participation in elite sport. I'll be honest, it's not really something I've looked at in great detail before. I've got really superficial knowledge of it. I know that there's been issues, as you point out, Bryce, in other sports, but I didn't really know the science behind it, what what the advantage looked like. So I spent a bit of time looking into it last week for an opinion piece that I wanted to write. It's a total minefield. When you you start Googling these things and you start reading research papers like I did, I must have spent about six, seven hours last week just reading about this. And the the experts, there's so much conflicting information. And that makes it really hard to form an opinion. Because when one so-called expert said something, I can't challenge it. So my, my point being, I'm not seeing enough of a consensus to back up my instinct, which is, a transgender woman has an unfair advantage over a person who has been born a woman. 
I think in in athletics, is there not something to do with the amount of testosterone in their mm. body that that's how they measure it? And it's hemoglobin as well. Yep. Seemingly, you know, if you're born a male, you have a a higher level of hemoglobin, which means that you know you're able to push oxygen through your blood quicker, more efficiently. Which means that you're more athletic. Means that you have greater anaerobic function. I'm maybe not explaining that very well. I've maybe got a couple of bits there wrong. That again as evidence of the fact that, frankly, I don't really know enough about what I'm talking about yeah. here. So, in the end, I didn't write the opinion piece. Do you know why? Because I don't have anything valuable to add to this mm -hmm. discussion right now. Doesn't change the fact, though, as you put it, Bryce, that it's a difficult issue. So, who is this on to come up with a solution, to come up this with the is, rules that we stand well, by? It's very, very clear. It's on the LPGA. You know, the, the Open is different. You can, anyone can enter the Open. But the LPGA has got a big word in its name which is creating a huge problem because it's for women so i don't know how they get run i don't know how they get around that problem but i would assume that the lpga bosses are already speaking to those in the science community and in athletics because athletics have had to deal with this more mm -hmm. than anyone else and i will be trying to come up with some sort of level of acceptance for for participation Mm -hmm. If someone has gone through that surgery and has moved on to, you know, become a woman, how do they determine whether that person can step onto the first tee at a women's golf event? What mm -hmm. is the level that needs to be at for them to be able to do that? Yep. How does someone decide that? Because I, I, I even think in athletics, it's not... I do actually think... I would need to research this before I go, because we shouldn't be talking about this if we don't really know what we're talking about. But I do think in athletics there is a level that you have to get to, I think. For what it's worth, to, to bring it back to golf, because athletics is its own thing, but in golf, you mentioned this is really up to the LPGA. Unt until 2010, the LPGA explicitly restricted membership to players who were, quote, female at birth. It then removed that wording after a successful challenge in court by a transgender golfer called Lana Lawless. Lana was 57 at the time and successfully argued that the policy that LPGA had, this female at birth policy, was discriminatory. I think Lana so. never went on to really do anything yes. in golf and never really attempted to either. Davidson is different. Lana Lawless wanted to become a bit of an activist and went from event to event. Be being that activist, Hayley Davidson wants to get onto the LPGA has tried to qualify already through Q school and so on and come up short. So this is different and it feels like the LPGA needs to come out on this, needs to come out on the front foot and be very clear and fair. And that is the hardest bit of it all. As Alex said, Caitlin Jenner's probably made the most meaningful contribution to this entire debate. And in an op-ed for DailyMail.com last week said, Hayley Davidson must recognise that golf is a game of integrity and withdraw from female competition. Then the Ladies Professional Golf Association should follow suit, seize this chance to reverse their grave mistake, talking about removing the wording in 2010, and restore the spirit of one of the longest-running women's professional sports associations in the world. Highly recommend you read that piece by Caitlin Jenner if you're interested in this subject and want to hear a balanced, reasoned, and, yeah, pretty well-informed opinion on this one. Much more informed than you and I would be for very good reason. Correct. Let's talk about Nick Dunlap, if you wouldn't mind, gentlemen, because again, this is another story that we, we missed last week, being unable to do a pod. 
Nick Dunlap obviously won on the PGA Tour, the American Express. First amateur to win on the PGA Tour since when, Alex? Phil Mickelson, 91. Correct. You get three points. Yes. Nick Dunlap. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible performance, incredible win, and has now turned professional. Alex, first of all, your reaction to that win, and then secondly, is this the right call to turn pro right now? Well, it's fantastic, wasn't it? It was, uh, I don't know what it's like in the States, but we love that kind of story over here. We, I mean, we've had the the Luke Littler dart story over the Christmas period, haven't we? And we just love that kind of underdog story. And obviously over here, because it was in, on the other side of the planet, basically, it was in the middle of the night. But no, I, I, I look, the kid's got a good golf game. I just, there's no arguing about that. And and the big question after that win was, will he turn pro? And now we know the answer. He did that uh, very emotional press conference where he was in tears and saying that he had to leave his... Is it Alabama he goes to? He's mm-hmm. He had to leave college and... Roll tight, uh, exactly. Look, of, course it, of course it's the right decision. He's going to make a serious amount of money this year. He's into all... Is he into all the signature events, I believe? So yes, he is, yeah. He's going to make some serious, serious coin this year. Now, you just don't turn down that kind of opportunity why would you it's not for, for the sake of finishing your education and i mean if, if there's not one of his college teammates is going no oh, you shouldn't have done that mate i mean even his <laughs> coach has come out and said that he absolutely should have done it so i mean his coach was calling him iconic and yeah. historic which i thought was a bit i must admit those quotes struck me as really odd i think he's iconic i think he's historic i think he has an opportunity to be something large in this game for many 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 years i mean Bryce, way to heat pressure on a, a kid. <laughs> I think he should just put the champagne down and calm down. Uh, yeah, listen, I'm not going to pour cold water on his fire at all. An amateur winning on tour in this day and age is not as big a deal as when it was in the early 90s with Phil Mickelson. Why is that? It's a different world because they're effectively treated like tour pros. They know everything about it. You know, he'd won the US amateur already. Or he was US amateur champion, mm. is he not? Played Walker Cup. You know, if you'd if you'd followed the Walker Cup in the eighties and the early nineties to compared to what the Walker Cup is now, it's a completely different event. Amateurs are treated differently. The way college golfers are treated in the States now is massively different to the way they were treated 25, 30 years ago. What's the big difference? Is if, it's like the professional athletes already. They're not mm-hmm. they, they get they get their own buggies, they get treated like kings. They don't have to pay for anything. 30 years ago, that didn't happen. So they're conditioning them to be yeah, professional golfers. Yeah, to be golfers. professional golfers already. He's, he's, he's more than halfway there. You know, it's not as if these guys turn pro and suddenly they don't know what to do. They just, what if we said this a million times, they literally walk on to tour and don't struggle. Mm-hmm. He is the best, one of the best of the best. So it shouldn't really come as a huge surprise. You know, they've got like underhand golf contracts because the rules of amateur status mm-hmm. have changed when it comes to advertising. He's like, he looks like a walking billboard already. That's you know, that name image likeness that yeah, you see a lot of. Yeah. All that stuff. However, I'm not taking all that away from him. It's still a big deal for a guy who isn't taking money to come to an event like that and win. You know, he was slightly helped. I'm not putting it down again, but Sam Burns, oh, oh dear. <laughs> And then horrific from Sam Burns, a total meltdown. But he still had to play some decent stuff in the back nine, and he absolutely did. He does look like a very good player. But there are, and this is the thing, there are so many good young players out there. There are so many of them. 
you got to take your chance. When a seasoned, kind of seasoned PGA Tour pro in Sam Burns did what he did, that boy stood up, showed some guns, and absolutely made it. But the thing is now, you've no idea whether, whether he's going to kick That's on. Yeah. You've no idea whether he's going to get any better or whether he'll go on and, you know, make a real name for himself. You don't, just don't know. You suspect he probably will because he's already done it. But I just, it's not, yes, it's historic. It's not iconic. Alex, does this not also highlight maybe just how much of a vacuum has been created in the PGA Tour by Live Golf? Bear in mind, this event went ahead without its defending champion and John Ram. And you would suspect that other guys, the likes of Jason Cockrack, Hudson Swafford, Mark Leishman, maybe even somebody like Brooks Kepka would have been playing in that, had it not been for the fact that they've been suspended for joining with Liv? Oh, I think the, the start of the PJ Tour year has been absolutely fantastic to watch. It's it's we've it's funny, isn't it? Because you get these live bots are saying, "Oh, we need it to be worldwide," and then it's literally like the, you look at the leaderboard at the last weekend. It was you know, Denmark and France and all USA and all, you know Australia were probably up there. It's just uh, it's 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 wonderful to watch. I I absolutely love it. I love it. It's so much more interesting to me when there's a nice mixture at the top of the leaderboard than just the same guys week in, week out. I mean, John Rahm going to live golf has made the start of the PGA Tour season really interesting because let's just assume he probably would have cleaned up anyway, so like he did last year. So he's going into these tournaments as defending champion. We're all worried about that. And he's running away with it by eight shots and we're all going, oh, that's a bit boring, isn't it? <laughs> and now we've got now we've got the story that is Nick Dunlap. But, but I mean, look, you, you were talking about pressure then, but this this kid, like, Bryce makes a very good point. Being an amateur now is, is is polar opposite to being an amateur back then. But I mean, we've all seen the list of players who have won on the on the PJ Tour as an amateur since 1945, because for some reason, that's when all these records start. So you've got Middlecoff, three-time major champion, has had a very successful PJ Tour career. Frank Stranahan had two British amateur wins and a good record in the modern majors. Gene Littler was a two-time major champion. Doug Sanders, 20 PJ Tour wins and a missed gimme away from being a major <laughs> champ. Scott Verplank had a successful pro career. By the way, Scott Verplank's middle name is Rachel. Found that what? This morning. Really? So, yeah. Rachel? It, or has somebody just oh, uh, taken the pass with his R- Wikipedia page? R-A-C-H-A-L. I don't know if that's a... a, a I don't know if you've never even heard of it as a name. So fun, isn't it? Um, and then obviously Phil. So yes, it is big deal. And there are huge shoes to fill. But Phil, Phil. But... Come on, one today, lads. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I suppose no, the question look, is: Is Nick Dunlap going to be more Scott Verplank or more Phil Mickelson? Well, I mean, you look because at the they're kids not the same, are they? Let's be honest. Well, look, look at the kids that have come through and switched the amateur ranks to the pro ranks in the last handful of years. I mean, the the two standout ones really are uh, Ludwig Oberg and Victor Hovland. The two. Scandinavians. I mean, Victor Hovland, his record is something ludicrous. Like he, since turning pro, he's won a PGA Tour, a DP World Tour event, like every six months or something stupid like that. So, you know, Bryce makes a very good point. These kids are basically coming out of the amateur ranks, and they are PGA Tour professionals already. And that just didn't happen back in the day. But look, to answer your question about live golf, we'll never know. We'll never know because. We we obviously don't we do, that just can't happen. We don't have that time machine to be able to go back and and get rid of live golf. 
could have just said that, Alex, to be honest. Instead, yeah, you've thrown in a, another two. Bryce makes a very good point. That's well, four so just, far just, on just, this episode. Just make, just make your point, Alex. Just get to the point. <laughs> four Bryce. times. Four times already. And I, how long has it been that he Bryce says Bryce makes a very good point? I, are you, are you fishing for something, Mr. I don't think. I don't think. They, I'll disagree with Alex. Here's Here we go. I don't think Bryce, the PG Bryce makes a horrible point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think the PGA Tour has been that great. I think some of the leaderboards, I, I think there's a fascinating insight for people like us who are golf geeks and love it and consume as much as we can. I think for the average punter watching, there's a reason why the views are going down in the States because there's not a huge leaderboard and they've got some events coming up that I think will turn that tide. But the leaderboards they've had have not been fantastic. I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw that the Dunlap final round was watched by more people than the than last season's. I need to double check that. Just throwing out sort of unsubstantiated yeah. facts. I know. Yeah, I, know. I, can, I can make you up shit as well, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Bryce, Bryce makes up the integrity of the show. Integrity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, got to wish Nick Dunlap the best. Uh, I think he's obviously shown himself to be a capable player, a capable of winning on the PGA Tour, but a lot of guys have won on the PGA Tour. So I think if I was his coach, or I was hanging out with his coach, I'd be saying, listen, mate, just... He's often the iconic and historic chat. He's off to a really good start, but that is it. Let's yeah. see what the next year, two years, five years has in store. Bear in mind, as a lot of guys have won in the, the PGA Tour. A lot of guys have won the US Amateur. For example, what is Tyler Strafecci doing these days? <laughs> he won the US Amateur in 2020. What is Curtis Luck doing these days? 2016. Likewise, Gun Yang, Stephen Fox, Kelly Craft came and went very quickly. Nick Flanagan, Bubba Dickerson, not even the most famous Bubba in golf. What a, <laughs> what a great name, Bubba Dickerson. I can't even see it. Correct. Him. Yes. So all the best to Nick, but Bubba let's 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 just call Canny on the old. He's going to sweep up everything, and he'll be the next Grand Slam champion. Well, to be fair, that's his coach saying that, not us. Yeah, exactly. Right, got to go to the break. Loads more to come in part two, including, and if you hate them, now is the time to turn off, but please don't because it'll be good chat. A live season preview. First live event of the season taking place this week. Of course, we're going to discuss it. Do not go anywhere. Putting is not a popularity contest, but if it were, there'd be no contest. The number one putter on the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, DP World Tour, and the number one putter at 50 consecutive majors is Odyssey, the number one putter on tour. Welcome back. Part two of this week's Bunkered podcast in association with Callaway Golf. Michael, Bryce and Alex here. Right, here comes the plug. Stand by for the Bunkered subscription offer. The latest issue, as I mentioned earlier, went to print on Friday. It'll be out some point in the next week, I should have thought. Can't be any more specific than that, I'm afraid. But loving, <laughs> loving the enthusiasm for but the first issue now. that'll be out sometime next week. <laughs> uh, subscribe. So whenever the printer gets around to it, it's impossible yeah, to tell these days. But... If you want to get every copy of Bunker, then the best way to do it is, of course, to take out a subscription. We do 10 issues every single year. 
thought it went pretty well last year, our first attempt at 10 issues, up to from 8 the year and probably 20 years before that. Seamless transition to 10 and the quality just gets better and better. 10 issues for just £44, that's a 20% saving on the cover price. And if you subscribe today, you'll get a free sleeve of six Callaway Super Soft golf balls. And who doesn't need more golf balls in their bag, quite frankly? So, yes, go to bunker.co.uk forward slash sub offer. Bryce, you want to tell people anything that might entice them about the latest edition that might entice them to Well, we've all been talking about John Ramley lately. He is our cover star. Our man, James Tate, spent a bit of time with him and a few others in... Uh, California? No. Texas. Texas, sorry. Yes, at the PGA, was it PGA headquarters? PGA Frisco. PGA Frisco, mm -hmm. yeah, rather fancy. Uh, I think that's where the California confusion comes from. Because I originally, when I was subbing Frisco, that page, yeah. Yeah. Had, he was in California, I think, yeah. Frisco, because that's what cool kids call San Francisco, but it's not. Frisco's a place in Texas. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for the clarification. You're very welcome. <laughs> So then, there's a lot of there's stuff. That, there's that. a lot of stuff, and he's like the most talked about guy in golf at the moment. I know we're talking about Anthony Kim, but John Ram's going to move more needles than Anthony Kim, I would suspect, this year. So there's a lot going on. He's our cover star, and it can't have escaped your attention that all the biggest brands in golf have released uh, the latest gear. We have all the information that you need, and there's a wee thing about the rollback. Which affects all that equipment. I'd forgotten do. all about further the rollback down, with all further, the shit going yeah, on. Further down the line. It feels like years ago, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's uh, in this issue and what it means to a large section of the game and how it's going to potentially affect them. There's some really interesting stuff in that. The biggest thing is that our man, Louis Fraser, Fraser spoke to the man that effectively made the rollback happen. Ooh. Uh, you'll need to get the mag to find out what he has to say. Fabulous. Bunker.co.uk forward slash sub offer. Listen, just go and do it. Simple as that. So, John Ram, you mentioned him there, Bryce, and we're going to mention him here because Live Golf, as I mentioned just before the break, starting its third season, third full season this week in Mayacoba, Mexico. Whew. So, as I say, a lot of people... Won't be happy that we're covering live. I get it, but it's golf and there's a lot of big names playing there, so it'd be remiss of us not to have a wee look at what it is that they're planning and doing. Bearing in mind the framework agreement stuff is still going on in the background, so well, this is potentially going to be a really wild year for live specifically. But let's start at the start. Alex, as this year begins, as this season begins, what are you expecting from live in 2024? More of the same. More questions, more division, more negative headlines for the sport. I think you mentioned the framework agreement there. And until that's either in place or the PJ Tour decide to go down a different route, this is just how it's going to be, isn't it? I mean, as for the actual golf, it'll be interesting to see if they do anything differently or just leave it how it was in 2023. I think we've all got our own opinions on how the team format works or you know how confusing the format is and you know does it work is it interesting is it good television and things like that so be interesting to see what they do on that front feels like they perhaps need to to mix it up a little bit you know big john rams come in and he's always said I, I don't like the format i don't like the shotgun start i don't like the 54 holes he apparently tried to get that changed in his negotiations obviously hasn't succeeded 
but maybe they don't care. Maybe, you know, on the basis that people who want to watch it will watch it. And you're, you're banking on John Rahm adding a few more viewers, which I think he will. I think he brings a few people. I mean, I all three people on this podcast are, you know, we're, we're all of it. I think I speak for all of us when I say, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it if it's on and I'm not going to get invested in it, certainly. But I think John Rahm adds a, an element of intrigue that perhaps brings that investment for for people who are are on the outside like us. Would you agree? Probably. I mean, I think it's their it's their single biggest signing to date, isn't it? The world number three, Bryson. The amount of money they're reported to have spent on him four hundred and fifty million dollars. Interesting that over the weekend it was announced that they've signed a a pretty big TV deal in Spain to to broadcast on on telly over there but the USA and the UK remain the single biggest nuts that they haven't cracked yet and the two nuts that they really need to crack to that extent John Ram hasn't really made the impact that they would have wanted so far Bryce is that fair of course that's what they that's what they're looking to get legitimacy at the top table and they've not they're not there John Ram gives them lots to shout about but it it essentially doesn't really mean anything in the bigger picture. You go on a live website now. I've just gone on their website right now. There's no no teams. There's not nothing announced for this week. The tournament is literally this week. There's nothing on their website about it. That's what I think live get wrong. And I'm maybe just this is the thing. It's the way they operate and the way they run. Everything about live golf is so different to to the PGA Tour, DP World, to what we know. To what you're used to. To what you're used to, so different, and I'm. And there's this big argument where they don't really take it that serious, and it's not that serious. It's meant to be a bit of fun, but it's kind of weird. You know, they've spent nearly two and a half billion dollars about this. You'd think they would take something a bit more serious, but telling people who is playing this week and what the teams are, and they don't have that. I think that's extremely odd. Is that because they are trying to build suspense, draw eyeballs in a slightly different way? Or is it simply because they haven't had the off-season that they wanted to have? Well, this is the thing. I think, I'm not suggesting they're making it up as they go along. However, do you not think it'd be a lot better if they had these guys, all these signings, like the signings that they've made, why not announce them like the, the week of the tournament? Like Ram, Hatton, all these guys that they've signed in the last three months, why not all announce them all at the one time? Why is it drip-fed? Like, they announced Ram at the beginning of December and he had nothing to do for six, seven weeks. All he did was make himself ineligible to play in the PGA Tour. Yeah. He got I, himself banned. He could have been playing on the PGA Tour the last six weeks and announced it this week. Yeah. So there must have been something going on in the background so I, 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 that that's, it's either we announce it now or all, not at all. All to do with contracts. There must be leveraging happening somewhere along the line. I just find it quite odd. And I'm just not used to it. And I'm, no hate, nothing at all. I just find it kind of weird. Like I want to know what's happening this week, and I can't because they won't tell me. Alex, do you agree with that? Well, yeah, I do to a certain extent. Do you think they've gone into their team meeting at Live HQ this morning and gone, what is this week? Are you fucking kidding me? We need to, we've got players to get. We've got, oh, God. It is a bit of a shambles. I mean, even some of the Liv uh, fanboys on, on social media are turning on Liv, so that's uh, probably that what ha- you need to know and you on know that what? front. That has changed. I find that interesting. In the last six months, that has changed. The guys who were shouting about how great it was have suddenly started criticising, mm-hmm. which I find quite odd. 
I so think, do you think the do you think Liv have changed their tact in because it's not I don't want to say it's it's yeah I uh, no I yeah I don't want to speculate but it's uh it's an interesting development certainly yeah and I think that those who are not necessarily in the know but those who are following it closely on social media will yeah. will be aware of what we're talking about Absolutely. there's so many guys on Liv that I do want to see and if if it's on YouTube whatever it is this week because they don't tell you. If it's on, it's not. Well, then maybe do tell you, but I can't find it on their website. You know, I go into PG Tour's website. I know who's playing next week. I can go and see. I know what time they start. I know what it's all on, and and everything I need to know is there. Nothing like that hams will live. But I will watch. I want to. I, I want to see John Ram playing golf. Of course you do. Who doesn't? I want to watch that, and I want to watch him against Dustin Johnson. Like, imagine if Ram turns up this week and comes last. <laughs> Exactly. Imagine that. He's I not think a competitive ball in I, weeks. I think they have made a massive blunder by not shouting and screaming from the rooftops about where to watch it. Fine, they don't have a TV deal in the it, UK or, even... U, or the US. They don't have that. But if it's on YouTube and you can watch it there, they need to be. That needs to be the marketing because everybody mm-hmm. wants to see how John Ram gets on, and that will be their exposure for a lot of people. Their first exposure to live golf. They might watch it and go. Actually, I kind of like this. What's he wearing? You create an audience. Exactly. Yeah. It's all that stuff. It's like when I have absolutely no interest whatsoever in Wolverhampton Wanderers. None. Just a random club to me. It doesn't affect my life one way or the other. See if they sign Lionel Messi on loan. I will watch his debut yeah. because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's yep. just bizarre. It's something you weren't expecting. Liv should be getting and should be making every attempt to get John Ram's debut. That should be the, the headline. John Ram's debut this week. Get that mm-hmm. everywhere so that everyone knows where they can see it. Every single person on the planet has at least three devices on which you can access YouTube. Exactly. Just put it on YouTube and shout from the rooftops. Exactly. But they're not. I think what the biggest takeaway so far here is that the Live Golf website is shit. That seems well, yeah. to be seems to be the well, consensus. Listen, it's, it's a very difficult one to talk about right now because they haven't been formally announced, but it does appear that in addition to John Ram, Liv have made a couple of significant signings. Terrell Hatton, first of all, it appears, going by the exclusive in the Telegraph from James Corrigan uh, this morning, that he will be joining Liv and he will be joining John Ram's team. Obviously, they've teamed up to pretty devastating effect in the Ryder Cup over the last couple of matches seem to get on very well together and it looks like Tyrrell will be joining John's Legion 13 team I also add Legion 13 I'm not sold in that name I've not been sold in a lot of names and I've got used to them but the first one I heard was Los Toros and I'm like oh phenomenal Legion 13 doesn't give me the same vibes man I'm sorry it just it just doesn't anyway Tyrrell apparently will be joining that team. And Adrian Moronk seemingly was is going to be announced as a new member of the Cliques, joining with Martin Keimer, Richard Bland, and though again it hasn't been formally announced, but pictures have been leaked. Kali Samoya, another close season signing. So John Ram, Tyrrell Hatton, Adrian Moronk, they would seem to be the, the marquee names. Alex, are you surprised by Tyrrell Hatton's decision? Not surprised in the sense that it's been rumoured for a long time. Uh, I, I'm surprised in the sense that it's it's a big risk for him in terms of majors. You sort of, I don't know if that's just this kind of uh, romanticised view we have of it that all golfers just want to win majors and they don't care about money. 
But then I'll perhaps offset that by saying that, like, you've got enough money, guys. Like, how much more do you actually need? Like, you've got enough to be comfortable for the rest of your life, as Anthony Kim has found out. Um, but look, I've, Till Hatton is is a wonderful player to watch. Like, he he is someone you you want. Like, he's on, on social media. He's an absolute dream. Like, he he fluffs a chip. Uh, you know, he, he kicks the shit out of the golf course. He swears. He, he he puts his finger up to the to his golf ball when it doesn't go in the hole. He's a he's absolutely like exactly. He's absolutely brilliant to watch. He is. He's. I don't want to go as far as saying he's box office because I don't think he's there. But he's he's just really good fun. When you when you know he's there and you know he's in contention and you know he's going to be on your TV screen, you know you're going to have fun watching him. So I'm at, look to be honest with you. I was the first thing I thought when I saw the news this morning that Hatton looks like he's about to sign and join John Rahm's team is these guys are going to be brilliant to, to watch together. Like mic them up. They do that on the live, don't they? They 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 mic players up. So mic these two up. Like have some fun with it. Like they they've got a really I'm not used good to that phrase. They do that on the live, don't they? On the live. It's like when my mum calls it the Facebook. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when some people call it the Rangers. I mean, how how misinformed can people be? Really? Go. Yes. Tyrrell Hatton, again, it seems to be, he fits the profile, Bryce, of a, a live golf player in the sense that he's more than a golfer. He's got personality. He's got a bit of swagger. He's a bit like, temperamental. Like Brandon Grace? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are exceptions. <laughs> You're talking shite there for a minute, weren't you? A little bit. <laughs> no, listen, I, I wasn't surprised. Nothing surprises me with live anymore. I still think there's a big, big, big signing to come and I, you know it's not happening it's not happening that, that Xander Shoffley I don't know if there's any space left I'm sure they'll just kick somebody off and nobody'll know but Xander Shoffley has again just not said no and I'm not convinced that he is 100% all in on PGA Tour he's definitely the, not until the tour starts he's definitely not all in on the PGA Tour mm. but I also do not think for a second that Xander Shoffley has the guts to join live you think I mean, so? that's what it boils down to for a lot of these guys is having the guts and a bit uh not going to call them brave because my god they're not down foxholes but i mean it, it's it's a bit of a leap of faith to join something that's new something where there are so few guarantees around you know your major eligibility going forward where there's framework discussions going on right now a lot i, of those, I think but, it's but, ballsy but, 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 for those, but those things we've all we've discussed this till we are blue in the face a lot of the guys are not that bothered about whether to play in the PGA or the But US Xander Shoffley, I think, yeah. is. That's the difference, is that I'm sure he's been made some really lucrative offers, but I think when it boils down to it, he simply doesn't have the bottle to, to jump. Speculation. Of we course it is. That. We don't know that. Of course, that's what this entire show is know, built that, on, for God's sake. But that's what I'm saying. We don't know whether these guys are that bothered or not. We just don't know. Because there's guys that have literally given up major status, like Bernd Wiesberger. Basically. Who's now back on the yeah. DP World Tour? But that, that was the one guy at the front. Was he is walking yep. away? He just but back then, not that bothered. Yeah. Xander Schauffele might be the same. I wonder. I wonder to what extent the new wild cards thing might have some level of impact as well. You can dip your toe in the water and see how you feel about it, because that's the big change for live for this year that we know about. So, in order to accommodate John Ram's team, which has taken the total number of teams from twelve to thirteen. You had 48 players, an extra team makes it 52. However, for live and its shotgun start business to work, everything needs to be divisible by both four and three, I'm told. So 52 simply doesn't work. So what they're doing to get up to the 54 that they need is 
have these two wild cards who are going to play every single week. Or rather, there will be two wild cards who will play every week. The, the players will change. One of those, I'm led to believe, will be for the leader, the current leader of the international series, this which they peripheral effect, thing in the they effectively tour, own. Which they effectively own. And the other one is essentially going to be a bit like a sponsor's invite. That's the way I'd heard it a couple of weeks ago. They were still discussing it what that's going to look like back the then. Thing is, and by the way, it's telling that they were discussing that stuff just a couple of weeks ago when the first event is this week. So that does lead really into the, they're not quite where they want to yeah, be. Yeah, the thing about Liv, Liv is, it is endlessly fascinating because no one has a clue what's going on. Even they don't. I mean, their website, if they have invested two and a half billion into this new venture that Greg Norman says is is the future of golf, and it's going to be this huge thing that everyone should be backing. They can't even get the players on a leaderboard, like, what, five days before it starts. It is mad. <laughs> it, is, it is hilariously mad. And we all sit and go, but when it kicks off, we'll probably watch it. And then we'll go next week, we'll think, what the... It's just... Yeah. It's, it's, it's golf, but not as you know it. Yeah. So here is the single biggest question of the lot. Well, we'll be doing a live golf season preview this time next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my neck in the line. I think they'll give it about seven or eight years. I did say from now. No, from the start. Right, okay. So I did say five at the beginning, but I think they've thrown too much money at it to walk away. But they are, as I've said before, I spoke to someone who is involved with the PIF, and they said they are not in this to throw money at it. It's a public investment fund. They are there to make money. They're not stupid. This is an investment and they want it to work. It's a good point. And a point we've made many, many times before in the show. <laughs> there does seem to be certainly this. I don't know if this is fair or not, but there's an awful lot of people who seem to think that the people who are throwing the money around are thick. Just like, oh, we've got so much money, it doesn't matter what we do with it. These are really intelligent people yeah. who are handling the purse strings. The, so problem, the idea that there isn't some plan behind yeah, it is but the, prob the problem is, that is true. The problem is, is at the beginning, they threw a shit ton of money. I mean, mm. an unbelievable... If you would even contemplate how much money you have to spend to get live off the ground. Remember, we heard rumours that live wasn't going ahead mm. two weeks before... Centurion, when the first event that it wasn't going ahead because it, it just wasn't happening, nothing was happening on the ground, that all turned out to be complete bollocks. Imagine just how much money it takes to get something like this to actually start, mm -hmm. to get it filmed, cameras, media, everything, to advertise it, to get players to turn up, everything about deal. it. It's a big, big deal. The, my point is that at the beginning, you've got a plan so many things have not gone to plan that you then eventually A becomes B and then B becomes C and then you go back to A. Then A doesn't happen. So you have to go back to C. Then you get a wee bit of B. They just move from plan to plan. It's not set in stone. Yep. I respect them for going as far as they have. But I just think eventually someone's going to go, what, what's the return? How are we getting money back on this? Because you look at what they own Newcastle United, they're eventually, they're going to start making, they're bringing yeah. money in. They're going to start bringing money in. How how do they do that with golf? So that is the question they're going to ask, but you think they'll be doing that 
in three or four years' time from now. So you think there will be a live next season? Yes, because I think they'll have to get to a point where they do start bringing in money. Okay. And Alex, I, same I think same question be. to you, Alex. Will there be a, a live season preview in 2025 on the Bunker podcast? Yes, of course there will. The only way live doesn't happen next year is if they say the absolute only way this framework agreement happens is if live is dissolved immediately. Can't really see that happening. No. I can't. No, I can't. I can't. I can't add anything to to what Chris has said. There is. It was, I was actually. I found myself being a listener there, which was really nice. I was just sort of drifting away. I was in my car driving somewhere, and I was like, "This guy makes some really good points on this podcast today." But uh, no. What I, are I, you? I, what are you angling for? Just let him talk. Are you after <laughs> is it a pay rise? You don't need to just want a cuddle. You don't need to interrupt. Just let the man. He's very making some very intelligent points, Michael. As a host, you should know this. Just let the air breathe. I've already, yes, uh, good I've advice. Already, I've, <laughs> I've already written some uh, reviews for the, of the podcast, so <laughs> I might as well get them vocalised as well. No, uh, it's 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 fascinating. I think is all I can add to it. I th- I, th- I I sort of I'm. We've all just been on the fence about whether or not we actually love this or hate this and this division that's engulfed, but it's given us something to talk about for the last couple of years, hasn't what, it? What, yeah. What do you think? Will there be one? Hundred percent, there will be. Where do you think Liv will be in five years? Who knows? But like you guys have said, I don't see how you get through the framework agreement, come to some sort of resolution, and as part of that, Liv, who have, to me, got all the aces because of the amount of money that they've got, just no longer exist. I've got a question for you. What is a framework agreement and how does that work? What do you see that being? (laughs) A framework agreement is a bullshit term for a bunch of people who should have known better at the outset, sitting down and finally having the conversations they ought to have had in 2021. What does that mean? What does it mean? Yeah, how does so they, they announce a framework agreement, which we all think is going to happen the week before the Masters. They announce a framework agreement. No, so what is an, it going to be? They've announced the framework agreement in June, which, as I say, that's the bullshit term for having the conversation. What the outcome of that conversation is... Yeah, so but that's meant to happen the week before the Masters. That's, that's, that's the, the deadline. Rumor. Apparently there could be a decision made on it within the next couple of weeks that comes out. But, but what yeah, is the, it? the deadline is the Masters. What what are they going to do? So Jay, Jay Monaghan... honestly don't know. Jay and Yasser sit on a table and they announce the framework agreement. So they're they sitting go, on the table for a start, up, which well, is amazing. Well, it's more relaxed. <laughs> 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 sit at the table. Got you. And they say, here's a framework agreement. What is it? What the outcome's going to be? I've absolutely no idea. I can't even, I couldn't even venture a guess because I see Yasser, the PIF, Live Saudi, I see them as having the bigger bargaining chips in the whole discussion because they have the most money. They, the PGA Tour has the history, it has some of the players, it has famous events, it has legacy, it has Tiger Woods. To be honest, that's the past. Yeah, yeah. None of the, I, I'm trying to get to the point. I sit here every week and give you just Jeez. open air to speak. And as soon as I try Aye, to get a point across, God. you're like, can I just have the answer? Any chance Let you could just to get to that point. So PGA has all of that, but none of that matters as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't matter as much as the fact that Liv has all the money and the PGA Tour, whether they want to admit it or not, want and need that money. So I think there will be more will come of this that will make PIF live Saudi happy that will make the PGA Tour happy. I think the PGA Tour will look radically different, if not next year, the year after. Fewer events, 
and some form of team golf filling up the fall series instead of events like I don't know Sanderson Farms and Farm uh, Shriners for for children hospital open whatever it's called. I think that part of the year those events might still exist, but it'll be for corn ferry grads. Live will be built in somehow to the PGA Tour schedule where at the end of the regular season in September, you go and play this for the next five, six months. Does that make sense? Six months? It does. Maybe. And you have to, you have to play in it. Well, to be, this is the so thing. So this is where Live will have you to compromise. Get... It wants its players to play all 14 events. That's the bit I don't see them being able to do. So your framework, and I'm not criticising you at all here, your framework agreement is incorporating live golf into a schedule from end of August till beginning of February. Potentially, yeah. Rory McIlroy touched on it, didn't he? He said he wants live to become an IPL of golf. And I don't think Rory McIlroy says that unless that had been discussed at the top table at the PGA Tour. I could see that happening. I could see it. I, I think I said it when we first started talking about this a couple of weeks, a couple of podcasts ago. It's like I, a Champions I, I League that runs parallel yeah, to the main exactly. event, but yeah. golf and the nature of it, you can't have a Champions League where you play one game on the Saturday and then the Champions League on the Wednesday. You how does do how does Liv make money from that? If I knew the answer to that, you think you'd be sitting here hosting the podcast? Genuinely, it's that is way above my pay grade. But I'll say this: I think that if they work with the PGA Tour and there's an agreement, then surely by extension you're going to get the likes of Rory McIlroy being involved. You're going to get maybe Tiger Woods being involved without them having to leave, which means that you'll be in a stronger position for sponsors. But is that money Is that money that you're going to bring in from sponsorship, is that still enough to sustain live golf? I don't know. It's They've spent so much money that I really don't see how they're going to make all of that back. Neither I think the, the whole idea of merchandising the teams and rolling out these franchises with the greatest of respect and I don't see the day where the Range Goats will ever be the Dallas Cowboys. And that is the business model. That is what Liv was meant to be. The yeah. Dallas Cowboys is successful I, as a brand independently of American football and the NFL. The Range Goats, I don't see ever being successful enough as a brand independent of golf and Liv Golf. It, it's, what, just, it's just not going to happen. You Before I interrupted you, what you were about to say is exactly how... I saw Yasser seeing Piff go forward on tour, which is partner with us, which is what they've done with the LPGA, Aramco mm-hmm. Series events. Like you could take, create some sort of Aramco Series, which is like World Golf Championships. When yep. the World Golf Championships were announced, they had big name sponsors, high tech brands, mega money. And mm-hmm. back then when they announced World Golf Championships, they were mega money. Mm-hmm. They could have done that maybe six of those events could be a Ramco series. They could be $30 million events sponsored by basically Saudi Saudi money. I'll say that. And they just said, no, that's it. It, That should have been the blueprint. And maybe it was the blueprint. You could have had a full year, January to December, where you've got PGA Tour events with live slash Aramco style events sprinkled in amongst them. What you could not and cannot have with that going forward are 14 live events. That's so, more than one a month. So that's the thing. If no golfer you, wants to play 28 times a year. Bingo. And they've all said that. So if you take what live golf is now and incorporate that into the PGA Tour, you've got 125 guys in a FedEx list, whatever it is, 120 mm-hmm. guys in a FedEx who need to be involved in that. Where the PGA Tour just say, 
nah, you're not involved in that. We'll just take top 50. That leaves the other guys that have been left out and are complaining, not involved in this mm -hmm. new venture where all the big money is going to be. Which so, is where the full series comes in. Though. Yeah. But they're not, they're meant to be involved in this. That's what they've all been. Jay Monaghan has been massively criticised for this, for pandering to the rich and rank and file rich guys of the PGA Tour and ignoring guys that are 80th plus on mm -hmm. the FedEx Cup, ignoring them completely. I have, that's why I asked the question, I know we've deviated from what we're meant to be talking about, but I have no idea what a framework agreement is because it doesn't appear to be an easy thing to incorporate into a PGA Tour schedule that keeps everyone happy. To keep everyone happy, also you doesn't need keep radical happy. change. Yeah, yeah that doesn't keep massive, massive and, compromise. And if, and if radical change happens, to me, that is the end of Live Golf. Because Live Golf is 14 events. Yeah, yes, but Live Golf could also still have eight events. The problem there is, are they going to make the return in the time frame that they want to make the return in? But listen, Live Golf is also overspent. It overspent and it's added this schedule. It's created what it is because it had to, because it wasn't getting cooperation yeah. and buy-in. So honestly, I, I don't see how they're going to make all of their money back. But can they be successful and viable as part of a new global looking golf ecosystem can't believe i've used that term. how do but they get someone that can they, they be that yes they can the guys that have played live golf the last two years and have not played any pg tour how did they get those guys back into the pg tour fold because surely if they're all partnering together everyone can play anywhere yeah basically so he, so lee westwood could go back into the honda classic as a former winner or something like that how how all those quick There's an awful lot they? of water under the bridge, isn't there? Which, Huge. Yeah. Which takes me up. I've I've maintained this from the outset. These discussions shouldn't be happening now. They should have happened two, three years ago. That's what I'm saying. That, that's the whole thing about plan A. Yeah. Plan A was a shitstorm. You know more about what that initial plan was meant to be than most guys because you were privy to it. But it hasn't gone the way they wanted it to go. So the actual original plan might be the only one they go back to. Because that's the one that we say, look, if you just yep. listened to us three years ago, we were going to give you, DP World, a billion. We were going to give the PG Tour this number. But to do that, it means the end of Live Golf. Live Golf is an identity, but not Live Golf as a concept. Yeah. I think that Live Golf's identity, identities can and probably will change, but Live Golf as a concept absolutely is not going to die. It's, it's here for the long haul. 100% as just maybe not as quote-unquote live golf but it's it's messy and there's an awful lot of stuff that didn't need to that didn't need to happen has happened that is going to complicate how you now work together going forward it's very easy for Jay Monaghan to now sit there and go you know what I got this wrong let's work together after all because there's a huge <clears throat> you've still got to undo all of the crap that has gone on which is, a, is harder to do there is a huge huge problem which rarely gets mentioned fedex they invest incredible amounts of money into the pg tour they will want to be the main guy <laughs> they have look at the history of the fedex cup fedex and pg tour and those agreements mm -hmm. i don't think the boss of fedex is sitting there going i'll welcome them in we're 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 the main guys, you know. So how do they get around that issue? To use your words, Bryce, that's speculation. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we we could do a whole pod on live golf. 
but I think we've already done that. We should probably now, at this point, <laughs> wait and see what happens over the next few weeks. Either way, it, proves, it promises to be fascinating, as always. Podder of merit, gentlemen, because we are hurtling towards the end of the show. Again, didn't have a podcast last week. Sorry, get over it, Jesus Christ. So the most recent podder of merit was the Dubai Desert Classic. Bryce, you picked Torbjorn Olison. You went two weeks too early. Good one for him in Bahrain over the weekend. But Torbjorn finished in the tie for 21st in Dubai. Alex, you went for your namesake, Alex Del Rey. Alex the King, who finished in the tie for 38th. And I went for Tommy Fleetwood, fresh off a victory in the Dubai Invitational. He finished in a tie for 14th. So finally, at long bloody last, two points for McEwen. <laughs> One point for Bryce, nada for Alex. So as it stands, Bryce, you're on 11 points, closing in on the title. Alex, you're on eight points, not far behind. You could tie Bryce with a win this week, and I am on five points. So this week it is the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Always a very exciting event. It's a bit like, what is it, the Dunhill Links for the PGA Tour. I have to say, the field is probably the best one that they've yeah, had. Yeah. They're really big on this tournament, aren't they, the PGA Tour? They're really keen to get players... When, when they had this, all these live talks and things, a lot of them, it was, you've got to go and play Pebble. Mm-hmm. If you're staying, you play Pebble. Well, I think the fact sure that it's a, a bit more money for you. The fact that it's a signature event also does help. I think the players are obligated to play, but you look at some of the names that are taking part. Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, Rory's there. Home is there. Cantley, Harmon, Clark, Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood. And I'm going to search for somebody... Yeah, Tyrrell Hatton's still listed in the field. So, Jason Day, Sam Burns, blah, 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 blah. The honour is mine for the first time in a very, very long time. And I am going to go with Brian Harmon. <laughs> what? Yeah. He's kind of vanished since, certainly since the Ryder Cup, and in a bigger sense since winning the Open. But I like him. I, I don't like the fact that he kills innocent animals. I think crossbow but yeah i think brian Harmon, classy player about time that he did something so yeah about time, <laughs> <laughs> about time that he did something since winning the greatest tournament in the world yeah needs to back it up yeah he needs to back up come on brian so brian Harmon for me bryce your pick i'm gonna go with jordan spieth so i'm just checking if you've picked spieth already this season. please say yes because i've picked spieth you have not. You can have him. Yes. Oh, this is annoying, isn't Alex. It? Sorry, Alex. So, right. So we've got one. One of you's picked a previous winner, and one of you's picked a guy whose last tournament win was on Link's course. Correct. So there you go. Right. I'm just going to go with Max Homer. Max Homer. Let me just double check from Steve Dreff's little drawing that you haven't already picked him. And you're golden. You can have Max Homa. Yes, so it is Brian Harmon for Demon. me, Spieth for Bryce, and Max Homa for Alex. Remember the standings as they are right now. Bryce, 11 points. Alex, 8. Me, 5. That's the first to 15 wins this season. Come on, Bryce. <laughs> Honesty box to finish up. And this was... <laughs> I'm going to caveat this straight away. This was given to me via DM... By the way, have you noticed that Twitter has reopened DMs? Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a, an issue with that last year, but they seem to have resolved it. Now you can DM anyone whose DMs are open again. Careful. Apparently. 
just waiting for Sydney Sweeney to open her DMs and then <laughs> life will be good. So Jay Houston got in touch with this question. Jay would like to know, what song would you play if you were ever given the chance to drive down Magnolia Lane? This is something that we have seen players do countless times over the last 10 years or so. Remember Graham McDowell did R. it? R.I.P. He, <laughs> he was playing David, he called him Bowie. Oh, David uh, Bowie, R.I.P. David Bowie. David Bowie. He was playing him as he was driving up Magnolia Lane and decided to, and by the way, in case you're thick and don't know much about golf, Magnolia Lane, the famous lane up to the Augusta National Clubhouse, we've all seen it. And yeah, McDowell filmed himself driving up it. You had Heroes, was it by David Bowie? He was playing, it's like, uh, you know, on Crabble, one of the, the great drives in golf, you know, uh, always, you know, never, never gets old. Uh, playing a little bit of David Bowie this morning, uh, RIP. <laughs> so, yes, we know that G Mac would play David Bowie. Bob McIntyre went with some traditional country music, Gunna Sound, I think it was. But if you were given the chance, Bryce and Alex, to drive down up Magnolia Lane, what would be blaring? Out of your speakers, Bryce. What, I'll come I, to you what first. I want to know is, what did you play? Because, <laughs> of course, this is why you brought it up. I didn't. I didn't play anything. I completely forgot. Well, I've just I had to Google it, but how many trees are on Magnolia Lane? Oh my word! It's longer than you think. It's, <laughs> that wasn't the answer. I know. I'm trying to just buy some time else to think. How much of a song can you get in? So if you're if you're picking something that's got a, a well, really you can drive fast. That's the other thing. I think yeah. it's Just limited to like ten miles an hour. That's interesting, but that wasn't the question that asked. Exactly. How many trees are there? Hang on, I'm counting. <laughs> Some memory you've got. I would say, I think there's ninety six. Wrong, sixty one. Is that all? Yeah, I thought it was more than that. I thought it was eighty one actually. Sixty one. Yeah. What? Why is it not an even Why is it number? Not an even really, number? Really oh, sorry, 61 on each side. Right, so oh, 122. Okay. Yeah, and how long is it? How long is Magnolia Lane? I think it is... Hang on, there's probably a logic to this. 61 on each side. Please don't start measuring trees. I'm going to say 120 metres. It's 330 yards. Which is not... Was that a quarter of a mile? Yards, two metres. 300 and how many yards? 30. That's 300 metres. Right, okay. I remember it being longer than I was anticipating. Mm -hmm. And it takes forever because yeah, you're, and you're not allowed to drive fast, obviously. And you didn't play any music? Completely forgot. I was so preoccupied with well, everything. Popping your first toy t-shirt. Yeah, pretty much. But I spoke to the... I actually think I did have the radio on. And... I remember being worried. Ninety eight the, the bull. <laughs> I remember being worried about what the the police officer was going to say to me if he was going to turn me away for being scum and driving a, a red Jeep SUV thing. But then when he spoke to me, he took my invite, looked at it, went, "Yep, you're bang on time." And then the bollards came down, and off I went. I was more interested in filming it that I forgot to play any music. Yeah. So, yes. Anyway, that's not the question. The question is, what would you play, Bryce? I would play. You're no good. By Van Halen. What's well, a positive swing thought to take into yeah. the day, isn't it? We've got to be, got to be a realist <laughs> as you step onto the first eight Augusta. Can't go in there with a big ego because you're going to get your ass kicked. So I'll play You're No Good by Van Halen and hope that if I drive slowly, I get to Founder Circle as the solo kicks in. Nice. One of Eddie Van Halen's finest moments. And then I'd park my 
car in the car park. And no, you wouldn't. Why Valet do they, service. Do they do it for you? Mm, they take the car oh. off you. One guy opens the door and takes your clubs away. Another guy opens the door and says, can I have your keys, please, sir? And within within 30 seconds, you have neither clubs nor a car, and you're standing at the front door. Like a spare prick? Completely. Yeah, yeah. Look, where do I go now? Yeah, that would be me. Okay, Alex? Oh, I, I think I know what Alex would play. You absolutely do not. I... I sort of was thinking through, I, was, I, was, I even flicked through Spotify and like my, my playlist and stuff. And I was like, I need to find something good, something really uplifting. You know, I'm really into the heavy metal and punk and guitar music and all this. And then I settled on Belinda Carlisle, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Imagine blaring that down Magnolia Lane. I mean, it's first of all, it's apt. Second of all, it's one of the best pop songs ever written. And third of all, the valet would absolutely bloody love it when Seriously. he gets in my car. Seriously. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bryce is fuming. Bryce is Jesus absolutely Christ. fuming. So it's not yet been confirmed because we haven't received our credentials, but Alex and I are meant to be going to the Master together this year. I'm ineligible to for the Monday outing, having played last year. Alex hasn't played, so is eligible. So we need to nip this in the bud yeah, yeah. right here. Absolutely. Right if that if that happens, I will be very angry. You telling me you wouldn't absolutely love it if I sent you a video of me just rocking out to Belinda Carlisle down Magnolia Lane? No, because you cannot rock out to Belinda Carlisle. You can't rock out to oh, Belinda Carlisle. Stop, stop, only, trying, to be, stop only, trying to be cool. Only shame. You're bringing shame on our brand, on your family. <laughs> My family. No. You can only do this. I don't think either of my kids have. Uh, I don't think either of them know who Belinda Carlisle is. So probably right on that front. But. You're, you're giving it the big in about you know a big Belinda Carlisle fan and so on. So Alex, on the hop, I'm going to give you three Belinda Carlisle questions. And, I don't fucking know anything. And if you get one of them right, we'll allow this. If you get none of them right, you need to come up with a different song. Question oh, number man. one: In which U.S. city was Belinda Carlisle born? Oh. New York. Question number two. It's obviously LA. It's obviously LA. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry, question two. Question number two. How old is Belinda Carlisle? Oh, 81. 64. Question number three. She gained fame as the lead vocalist of which band? Quite a famous band. The... I know that one, I think. No, go on. Okay, go so on, let's Bryce. just summarise. No, <laughs> Belinda Carlisle was born in Los Angeles, but your first Obviously. answer was Why New York, that? and, and that stays. Let's go to question three. She gained fame as the lead vocalist of which band, Bryce? Was it the Runaways? No, it was the Go-Go's. Oh, the Go-Go's. Right. Oh, so, yeah, zero for two, Alex. I asked you how old, question number two, is Belinda Carlisle? You said 64. Belinda, Joe Carlisle, was born on August the 17th, 1958, which makes her 65. Oh, 65. Quick maths. Just so, right in time for a bus pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on Washington Road, she'll be going by as Alex cuts her <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, so, no, we can't have that. Fine. Alex, on a similar note then, uh, Green Day, Welcome to Paradise. For the I same reason. Green Day. I thought it was them or Blink-182. Yeah, Blink-182. And, and then on Friday, when I've missed a cut, I'll play Green Day Time of Your Life as I'm driving back. Ha hang on, you're, no, not you're, not in the play, you're not playing in the Masters, Alex. What? Of course I am. What? 
this is this is a fantasy world we're living in. Why the fuck am I not playing in the Masters? <laughs> oh, uh, so sorry, so sorry. We're in a fantasy world, and you guys are just going for a round of golf. No, I'm playing in the tournament, <laughs> mate. It wasn't a fantasy for me, mate. Actually, did it? Completed <laughs> oh, yeah. it. So, ask the question on social media to our followers. Some interesting answers, as you would expect. Davy Dawson wants Master Blaster by Stevie Wonder. I don't mm-hmm. think I can think what that one is. Master Blaster. Blaster sounds very weird. <laughs> David Coburn, U2, It's a Beautiful Day. He would play that. Awful. Mm-hmm. Dreadful. Awful Kevin, song. Band. Kevin McHugh. I'd go Rocky theme and do a sort of ring walk boxing style. Maybe even Conor McG- yeah, but you're driving. Boot, just get booted off the property before you've even started. <laughs> Alan Boyd, Dean Martin. Guess which Dean Martin song Alan Boyd's gone for? Straight down the middle. Oh, <laughs> of yeah, course. Yeah. Robin McMillan, Papa's got a brand new bag. Marty Lynch, The Offspring, come out and play. Alex, you know Ooh, that. Lovely. Good song. Yeah. Thomas Lewis, Tiptoe Through the Tulips. I've never heard of that, I presume. No, the that's one of Thomas's own songs. Thomas is probably a singer-songwriter. Right, okay. That's that's his thing. Where's the bed? <laughs> Stephen Lang, Anarchy in the UK. Chris B. Williams, Gangster Rap Made Me Do It. <laughs> Gareth Penn, something by Rage Against the Machine. Daniel Storton. I would play the Bunkered Podcast theme tune with Bryce doing oh. a sarcastic comment on how I'm going to six-putt on every green. <laughs> Sucking up, love it. Next. <laughs> There's an awful lot of sucking up to Bryce here. Remember, I hold the keys to this show. Ross Mason, Highway to Hell, but absolutely, absolutely the winner. And I am so, so pissed off that it didn't occur to me to do it last year. Danny Arena has nailed this. Danny Arena? What a what name. name. Is he related name. to Tina? Sound like- <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like a superhero, doesn't he? Danny Arena. Danny Arena. Or like a wrestler. Anyway, in addition to having the best name of all the answers, Danny has the best answer. He would play the CBS Masters theme. The little piano. (laughs) (laughs) That plays through the speakers of the trees anyway. (laughs) Honestly, I'm so, so pissed off at myself that I never thought to do it. That is Danny, you win. And your prize is around Augusta National. Just phone them up. It's fine. They'll be expecting your call. Do not do that, Danny. Right. I'm actually buzzing now for the Masters after that little honesty box. Yeah, we were. Quite excited. Yeah, but the juices have flown. Excellent. There will be a lot more Masters chat, I would suspect, over the next couple of months. But that is it for now for this week. Alex, thank you very much for your time. I hope you feel better soon. I'll see you. I'll see you tomorrow. No, I won't. I'll see you on Wednesday. It's exciting. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're coming up. Coming up to the over the wall. (laughs) Just like your predecessors. And uh, Bryce, thank you for your time and for basically, you know, deigning us with your presence. Holding it all together. No problem. (laughs) Anytime you need some insight, I'm your man. (laughs) Yes. And thank you to you for listening. Thank you, Callaway, for your continued support. We joke about it, but we also mean it. Please go and leave us a review. Five star one, clearly. And mention me. <sighs> it's Bryce with a Y and Michael with a twat, apparently. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again this time next week. Until then, bye bye for now. <laughs>